Howdy, and welcome to episode 15 of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series Stranger Things, and like the show, we are back for season two. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I am joined by Dave Atterbury. Hello, friends. And Chris Tyler. Ah, man, I could go for three musketeers right now. (laughs) You can reach us, the show, at castprotection at gmail.com. At, uh, at Cast Protection on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for Cast Protection. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. And this episode, we actually have a few new iTunes reviews to uh, read. So, guys, take it away. All right. The uh, first one is one we missed from August 27th of 2017. Sorry about that. And this is a five-star review from Davy Dave David. And the, uh, nice. title, <laughs> the title at the top is Thanks to This Show... It's like I never missed my friend's conversations. Davey Dave David goes on to say, Thanks, guys, for what you do. I finally got Netflix, and Stranger Things was the first show that I wanted to tackle. All my friends watched this when it came out, but through your show, I feel like I haven't missed the conversations. I've been watching about one episode a week and then listening to your episode usually twice to get me through the week. Oh, that's very, very nice of you. Yikes. I just got got to episode six and listened to your episode six. Uh, that's great that you're following along, uh, Dave. Um, yeah, thank you for listening multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we certainly well, appreciate it. And since this is a very like belated review for us to read, you know, hopefully he's finished the show. So yeah. if you have, definitely let us know and let us know how you ended up with it. Absolutely. Yes, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so the next review we have is by Spats33, who I believe is somebody we may know? I don't know. Yeah. I'll never tell. I'll never tell. There's no no guarantees. I'll never tell. Anyway, so it reads, Fun Show. Five stars. (laughs) It is a fun show. Double star. Fun podcast about a fun show. The hosts are excited about the material and it comes through. A great companion to the breakout Netflix hit. All right. Thank you, Thank you very Spats. much, Spats. That, that, that makes us sound much more professional professional or serious about it than we are. <laughs> right. Yes. That's good. That's good. It is yeah, good. It, yeah. Sure. We are definitely not podcasting in our underwear right now. <laughs> <clears throat> I am podcasting with my Hawkins High sweatpants on, though. Nice. So. Very nice. Awesome. Well, with that, we're going to get into Chapter 3 of Season 2, The Polywog. So, if you guys are ready, uh, we're going to dive into the synopsis. Let's do it. All right. So, with our opening, uh, Dustin tries to quietly sneak in with whatever whatever he found in the trash at the end of the previous episode. His mother is waiting for him, as she wants to hear about Halloween. She says he's being weird or acting weird, and they're startled when his Ghostbuster trap jumps in his hand. He says that they made it to look that way, just like in the movie. He goes to his room and releases a small tadpole-like animal in his terrarium. He feeds it some Three Musketeer bar and names it D'Artagnan. After he falls asleep, we see Dart give a tiny roar. So we cut the credits. I come to the episode proper. And we start by going back uh, to Elle's time in the woods before... Hop uh, Hop took her in, and we see her watching Hop put food in the box. She reveals herself to him and and wakes up in the present. Hop is trying to patch things up from the night before when he was late for Halloween, 
with some egos that are all covered in candy and whipped cream and all kinds of stuff. But Elle has had enough of waiting. Hop honestly doesn't know when she can leave, as it's very dangerous for her, but she doesn't understand that or think it's important. In anger, she smashes Hop's plate with her mind and then slams the door shut. That same morning, Joyce still can't find her keys, which, same, Joyce, same, I'm terrible with keys. Um, the boys can't, the boys can't either, but who finds them? Bob. That's right, Bob spent the night and volunteers to take Will to school. Dustin makes a stop before school to the library to get more books on reptiles. When uh, the librarian informs, informs him that he's already reached his limit, he takes them and runs. He needs his paddles. For his curiosity voyage. Yes, that's right, for his mm-hmm. voyage of curiosity. <clears throat> In the car on the way to school, Bob tries to get Will to open up about the nightmares he's been having and tells him about his own childhood fright, the clown, Mr. Baldo. Bob would see this clown every night in his dreams, and eventually he just told the clown enough to go away. And that was it. He was gone. He never saw him again. And you can tell Will likes this idea. At the school, Max still doesn't understand why everyone calls Will Zombie Boy. Lucas tries to explain that Will got lost for a week, and that they found another boy in the quarry lake and had a funeral and everything. Max acts like that doesn't make complete sense, uh, sense, but she accepts it for now. Dustin arrives late to class, but as Mr. Clark is describing the case of Phineas Gage, a man who had an accident while working a railroad and had an iron spike driven completely through his head. He survived, but his personality did not. Dustin tells the boys uh, and Max to meet him in the AV club at lunch. That morning, Hopper and his deputies map out where the rot has spread from the night before, and Hopper realizes it is centralized and centered around the Hawkins lab. Back at the cabin, Elle is recalling how Hop first brought her to the cabin. They, cl- they cleaned it up really nicely in a, in a montage set, set to Jim Croce. Is it Croce? Croce. Croce. Yeah, I was not familiar with uh, the artist when they put the record on. He sets up a perimeter booby traps, just like back in Nam, and also teaches her Morse code. Hopper then sets up three rules for her. One, keep the blinds drawn. Two, keep the door locked and only open it to his special knock. And three, never go out, especially in the daylight. These aren't to, <clears throat> these are the don't be stupid rules, and Elle decides that day she's going to break them all. Yeah. At the high school, Steve and Billy have a showdown on the court, and Billy wins. Nancy shows up and wants to know why he didn't pick her up or from school that for school that morning. She has no recollect, uh, recollection of breaking up with him from the night before at the party. He gives her one more chance to say that she loves him, and she will not. Dustin shows the gang in the AV club his new pet, Dart. He explains how it is not like any known amphibian, and, and he thinks it might be a new discovery. Will realizes it's related to his visions. And that's not, like, overt, but you can tell by the look on Will's face that he, you know, something has clicked for him when he sees Dart. Uh, it definitely flashes back to him mm-hmm. coughing up the, the... Oh, that's right, that's right. right. Well, they, Yes, you're right, you're right. So it does show him cough that up, that's right. Sorry, yeah, that, and we like we discussed before, I haven't seen this in a few weeks, but yes, he, at that point, he puts that together. They don't know that. Yeah. The other kids don't know that, yeah. So Bob surprises Joyce with some lunch and tells what he, that he saw some kids mess with Will on the camcorder from the night before. He says um, he was the same as a kid that he was picked on, but that all turned out okay as he's now dating Joyce, which that was nice, Bob. Yeah. 
<clears throat> At Hawkins' lab, Hopper is trying to convince Dr. Owens to investigate the spread of the rot. Owens is unconvinced, but Hopper explains that he has kept his part of the deal. He's kept things quiet around town. They need to keep all this crap out of Hawkins. So later that afternoon, Nancy gets a replay of the night before from Jonathan, who says she needs to cut herself. He says that she needs to cut herself some slack. Nancy isn't so sure, but they agree that events of last year have weighed on them. Nancy gets an idea of a way that they could basically fight back or push back against what they, you know, see is like an unfair burden that's been placed on them by the laboratory and everything that happened the previous year. Elle walks through the woods towards the sound of a mother and child playing. This makes her flash back to Hopper, reading the Anne of Green Gables to her, and Elle asks him if if her mother is gone as well, just like Anne's. He says yes, and he is sorry. Elle then, in the present, asks the woman where the school is, and she says it's about a mile down the road. Back at her place, Joyce calls Bob to help her watch Will's video of Halloween. After the part where the kids pick on Will, she realizes she can see the outline of the thing that's been tormenting Will and his visions on the video. She traces out a crude drawing of it. After school, Will tells Mike that they need to talk about Dart. They stop Dustin from showing Mr. Clark. Also after school, Billy is tired of waiting to take Max home, and she is waiting for the four boys to finish up their discussion about Dart. They won't let her in the room. Will and Mike think he is from the upside down, and they convince Lucas. Dustin is very opposed, and while they are arguing, Dart mutates and escapes. Max and the boys begin hunting around the school for him. So Nancy and Jonathan begin their plan by calling Barb's mom and telling her to meet them at the park as it is dangerous to discuss what happened to Barb on the phone. And, of course, the guys at the Hawkins lab are listening to this. Hopper and Dr. Owens watch as a field of pumpkins is examined. Owens remains unconvinced that this has anything to do with the lab. Deputy Powell radios Hop to say that someone else has seen the quote-unquote Russian girl. Eleven approaches the school. She sees Mike's bike and heads in. The kids can't find Dart, and Mike finally tells Max why she shouldn't be in the party. She'd be taking Elle's place. Elle sees this exchange from the side of the court and makes Max fall hard from her skateboard. Joyce, realizing something is up with Will's... Ooh, I got a little typo here. I'm not sure what I was trying to say. Uh, Basically, Will's visions is uh, going to talk to him and is told that AV Club has been canceled. She gets in her car and races to the school. Will finds Dart and is knocked into one of his visions. This time, the smoke monster, is what we know, is chasing him down through the halls. He runs outside, Dustin hides Dart, and immediately wants to know where Will is. Mike immediately wants to know where Will is. Will is still running. He heads out of the school and across the football field, and he recalls Bob's story about the clown decides to turn around and stand his ground. But instead of just disappearing or or fleeing, the shadowy monster envelops Will in a whirlwind of itself and begins forcing itself into him. Cut to black, and that's the end of Chapter 3. Okay. Sorry, that was a a rough synopsis, but yeah, that was... That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's... Unfortunately, yeah, I didn't get a chance to review this episode again, but... Man, I mean, this is where things have been. I, I feel like this is where things really took off for this season in terms of like what what the main story was going to be about. I mean, yeah. things really kind of kicking overdrive. We got we got through Halloween, which was fun enough, but especially with Will, things have really hit the fan here. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. 
I know when I was rewatching it later or earlier today, that's one of my thoughts I had was that this show, and I've, and I've watched other Netflix shows that at first I thought, okay, maybe it's because there's only the 10 episodes or whatever, or is it it's 10 or 13? Just the shortened amount of episodes made it, it gave it its velocity. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, I've seen a few other Netflix shows recently that I've watched since watching Stranger Things 2. And I think it's just, I think it's as much that as it is also their writing style. They just don't dilly-dally or waste time like other shows do. They, they get after it. And, um, you know what I mean? We, we get as much in these three episodes as some shows do in, like, ten. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah, no so, doubt. Um, and, like, the end of this one, like, where Will gets attacked, I mean, that would be, like, halfway through the season of most regular shows or even a season finale. Would <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yes. So. Yeah, it's, no, it's that's, very, very dense, you know? Like, right. All the it's got a big cast, like a big ensemble cast, but every one of those sections of the cast have like a full story. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, right, right. And in almost every episode, you know, other than that one episode, the season will eventually get to. We don't hardly ever, we don't do like the, you know, one episode just for Lucas and one episode for Dustin like you would other shows. Right. Yeah, they don't, but, they don't uh, have the. I mean, with only doing nine episodes, you don't really have the time to do that. You have to kind of have all your plot threads going concurrently. Yeah, right, right, right. But I mean, I think that lends itself to. I mean, just just if like you're kind of playing one storyline out in terms of like where it's at, you can just switch right over to another one and continue it. And they do a really good job. I think in this one. I, I say that every time, but I feel like they do a really good job of kind of editing all the stories together in a way that, you know, like you said, gives it a sense of momentum for sure. Yeah, it's one of the, it's definitely one of the the major strengths of the show overall, for sure. Um, I do that 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 last scene with Will was freaking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was crazy because it's like. <laughs> For a split second, you think, well, we don't know. At that, well, the first time you watch it, you don't know that it's not going to work. So you're like, well, maybe it'll work. You know, maybe he's got like some mental right. superpower now or something. You know, like maybe well, he's going to just blow it away, but no. And just from storytelling in general, like most movies and, and shows, that would, you know, when you see that scene with Will and Bob and Bob's kind of giving him the pep talk, you know it's going to lead to Will trying out what Bob oh, oh, says. Definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so they're also they're they're playing with our expectations um, and and putting a twist on it, which is which is neat. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, definitely subverts what you think is going to happen. That moment of self actualization does not go well. No, no, <laughs> no major backfire for sure. Oh, creepy smoke monster. Yeah. Well, so this episode kind of picks up where you know a lot of last episode was going and begins escalating the hop and L dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was interesting, like, to kind of see their, you know, um, trying to fill in the blanks and make a sense of what we saw at the end of last season. Um, the little hints, you know, with the box and the egos and how did she end up with him and everything. And uh, Yeah, so... Uh, with the way they kind of painted themselves into that corner, it's really the only way it could go. It's just he didn't know she was out there. He mm-hmm. made, you know, just was hoping that she might be around, and there she was. 
thankfully. You know, that's really the only way that they could play it out. Right. Yeah, so I guess, it, I mean, I guess we're supposed to take that it was just happenstance or just, you know, I still don't get quite how he knew to put it out there. Right. I mean, maybe I'm just not getting it, but... I think it's the roughest, like, thing that they had going from the end, the, the hints of season two from the last episode of season one into this. I think that's the, the roughest transition they had was... was Making sense of the box. Yeah, it's the, the, it's the gimme. It's the gimme that you have to give this season. Other, you know, it's right. Yeah, you're either gonna roll with it and and gloss over it the way the show does, or it's gonna be the thing yep. you go, "This is stupid." But I don't think <laughs> that's what many people thought. No, right? no, no, no. I didn't think that either. I mean, I, I just no. yes, I I think they just kind of like, well, he's putting food in a box, and she she's taking it, you know. So right. Yeah, I think uh, with, with 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 the glorious uh, you know twenty twenty vision of hindsight, about all I could say is maybe if they did had Hop go to the cabin first by himself and maybe start leaving food out near the cabin, maybe you know like the boxes like out in the yard type thing, maybe that would have been a little. Well, I wondered if it there, but I don't one know. way they probably they could say is that. You know, they've been getting reports from this Murray guy of a Russian girl supposedly right. being around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe he heard some of that uh, yeah. and there thought, ooh, I wonder if it's her. That yeah. That's the only, like, yeah. kind of... I give that a no price. No yeah. price, that's I, it. We know yeah, price like it. it. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right, that good. That works. Well, similar to last episode, Hop is basically trying to patch things over via manipulation and food. Um, Smart. But... But it's kind of it, it's it's uh, it's too late for that, right? She's not having well, it. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know that's a big part of this season is her growing independence. You know, um, because this is kind of very similar to her being trapped in Hawkins' lab. In a lot of you're ways. right. Yeah. It's, it's all she's ever known, really. Yeah. yeah, and at that age, you're not able to discern the vagaries of of <laughs> the difference. Right. Well, and Hop only ever had a little girl, and Elle's past the point where you can say, if you're good, if you do what I say, you know, you can have Eggos and candy. You know what I mean? Like, that might work on a small child for a time, and even then I don't think that's the best way, you know, to get the end result of parenting that you want. But she's, she's, she's past that, you know? I mean, she needs more than that, and he doesn't have any answers for her. Well, she's definitely at the end of a rope. I mean, they've, you know, she's it's been a year, you know. When she's counting down the days, like how how soon is soon, you know, mm-hmm. one day, 10 days, 500 days, whatever she says. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, she I has mean, a point. And there was enough scary stuff that happened, um, you know, in season one that would, you know, I'm sure keep you, you know, she it was probably very easy to keep her there for quite a while. But now, as we're, you know, we can see we're getting to the point where, you know, that fear is far enough in the past that she's, she just wants to go see Mike. Yeah, I'm sure she would, she was happy, I'm sure, to stay there as long as she needed to at the beginning because she wasn't living outside in the wintertime, you know? Yeah. But now that she's been there and been safe for a while, and she knows just from her mental 
visits every night that Mike meets her, misses her, and all that. Yeah. Now, what'd you guys think about the near miss when, like, you know, he, um, when she almost, you know, when she went to go see him and she was staring at him through the door and, but then that's, they that's, did. That's just delicious TV. We know what you want <laughs> and we're not going to give it to you. Yeah. Right, yep. right, right, right. And it's also going to play into something later on in the season. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, it's good. And I think it's just, it's just a, it's a dramatic irony that we know that Mike can't stand Max. In fact, he's like hostile to her. But the irony is that, that Elle doesn't know that and thinks they're having like a meet cute when in fact he's like telling her. Beat it. Uh, to get lost, basically. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. So. Interesting. Um, so moving on. Uh, so Bob did it. <laughs> uh, oh, the big yeah. hit. Uh, uh-huh. okay. Well, I guess I, I'm not presuming, I guess, but uh, I mean, Bob, Bob, it's hey. obvious that that's, that's a new, a new occurrence because. The look on Jonathan's face is kind of hilarious. He's like, he's spending the night now. Okay. <laughs> you know, like. You can't resist the Bob Mobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Which, and I, which, which helps explain why he brings lunch by later and everything else. I mean, he's, he's, right, right. he's riding high, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I remember, like, I went through that exact same experience, basically, about. And I was, well, let's see. What grade are the boys in now? We determined the seventh grade. Uh, eighth grade, seventh, I think. Seventh or eighth grade. grade. Yeah, I yeah. was a little younger. I was like in, in fourth grade. But I remember that same feeling where it was like, you know, divorced mom brings the boyfriend home and the boyfriend stays. And it's like, oh, so this guy's staying here, huh? Alrighty then. Oh, you know? Man. So, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, awkward situation. I can imagine. So, yeah. And, you know, my stepdad was, he's nerdy as Bob. So, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. So, but yeah. So Dave, this was like biographical for you then. Totally. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's kind of funny. So, uh, it, definitely some flashbacks there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just funny. It's funny. Oh, Bob, he got his, uh, he got the hot girl from high school, as he said. You know? That's right. <laughs> that was hilarious, yeah. yeah. Too funny. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I totally feel Dustin's pain, as I myself am also a regular library patron. And when you hit that limit, and it's bad now because I have kids and I have yet to get uh, oh. library cards for them. So if I ever take the boys to the library, which we go pretty regularly... Yeah. You know, they want to check out like 25 books themselves. <laughs> so then it's like, well, okay, I guess I'll, I'll take my one book. Thanks. <laughs> but here's the thing. How early is that branch open? Uh, it's before school, right? I mean, now I used to go in junior high to the junior high library, the library in the school. I'd get off the bus. And I'd go sit in the library and read or look at books or whatever until mm-hmm. class began. But that's the library in the school itself. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, maybe this is maybe this is right on the school grounds or something. I don't know. But well, I just thought it was late funny. Class too. I wonder if he. I wonder if he like um, skip yeah. first period or something. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah. Anyhow, not to. No, that's funny. Don't need to no prize that one either. But I mean, like, come no. on, he's getting yeah. to school at the library. Wow. That's funny. Yeah, I remember when I used to go when we um, when I was in fifth grade after my mom married the said nerd I was talking about earlier. Um, we moved to Japan because he was in the military, and I remember. Um, so I went to the library all the time because I lived on this little teeny, tiny. Uh, army base, you know, in the middle of Japan, and it was, like, that was all there was to do, you know. It was that in the video store, and so I remember I used to hit the limit all the time, but it was funny. I remember them giving me a funny look, just like the teacher, or not the, or the librarian. The librarian, yeah. The first time, because I, like, because I went up there with, like, you know, I think the limit was, like, ten books, maybe. Sure. It might have been five, too, I don't know, but I remember, like, them giving me the, like, like, you really need to check out this many, but then bringing it back, like, the next week and I had read all of them and then uh, <laughs> so then after that they didn't give me more crap like <laughs> yeah don't don't doubt Dave yeah so it, it was pretty funny but yeah I, I've had I've had the librarian give me the hairy eyeball for uh, pushing the limits on how many books you check out so <laughs> I feel Dustin's pain yeah so so going back to I mean we already kind of touched on it briefly, but I mean, going back to Bob's kind of pep talk to Will in the car, yeah. you know, I thought that was a really nice, you know, from experience, you know, he's trying to help Will out. I mean, I think he already feels a very, like, similar to Will. Um, but, I mean, this is just a crazy, you know, this is, I don't think it's implied, but it's not actually a tie-in at all, but it's like, was Bob one of the losers? <laughs> I, th- I picked up right on Because he talks right about away. the scary clown in his dream. Of course, I mean, that's what they want you to. Whoa. Yeah, he's from Maine. They want nice. you to kind of pick up on that. But And it's the 80s, so he would have been a kid in the 50s. Sweet. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he, uh, let's say he's, yeah. maybe awesome. not exactly the yeah. 50s, but yeah. you know what I mean, like, yeah, about yeah, the same it. time as that. I just well, thought it was funny. That, that was 58, right? Was it 58? 50, it was late 50s. In, I was going to say 57 maybe in the book. Or 6 or 57, right? yeah. Was yeah. it? Okay. Because I thought it was like, wasn't it like 58 and 88 were the oh, years no, in the book? Well, I'm trying to think. Or 57, 87. I, was think, the, I think the book is 85, but maybe it's 88. It? Okay. I don't know. I read it this year, it's but honestly, I don't remember the dates too specifically. Just right. that they're like a generation, basically. Whatever, um, I'm down with your theory. Yeah, it, you could make it work some way somehow, but it's it's just a Bob escaped Pennywise. I like in, it. In the multiverse, he's one of the losers. Yes. Right. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think an intentional kind of to kind of get you in that that mindset. Yeah. There's so much of as we've already talked about many times. So much of Stranger Things, I think, owes a a lot to. It and the Losers Club and all that. Yeah, for sure. Which maybe that's a movie we could look at. Uh, oh yeah. As inspiration for you know, it, in the next, in the it. next, in the next wave of uh, off-season reviews. Absolutely right. For sure. Yeah, so I actually yeah. somehow after all that talk about it. Well, I don't know why it was basically due to the hurricane and everything else, but I ended up not seeing the new one in theater. So I've got to gotta see it still yeah I'm, I'm hoping to watch it for the first time this weekend so nice. sure yes, let me let me know 
I'm, I'm sure I'll be down. Yeah. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. So when Lucas is talking to Max, he really, really, really has his story down pat. I mean, he almost sounds, you know, like someone who's rehearsing to like go on the, on the witness stand at a trial or something like that. I mean, he's got, he's got his, you know, all of the points of his story, he's got them down. But the only thing is, it doesn't, still doesn't quite make sense. No matter how like emphatically he lays it all out for her, she doesn't buy it really at all. Um, I mean, don't, don't you agree? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he says it's a matter of public record, but even still, it's like, it's, it's such an odd story. It's, you know, it it really, if you do try to think too much about it, it it will fall apart, uh, you know, which is why people like Murray are like floating around town now, I'm sure. Yeah. Or at least part of the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's kind of funny to hear him say, like, you know, to repeat, like, what happened in the first season, but then with parts that are blatantly false, you know. Um, like, I was telling her about how, like, yeah, they pulled the body out, and it looked like Will, but it was really decomposed, and they thought it was Will, and it nice. ended up not being... Yeah, so it's just really... So it, it, it helps that part in the first episode, you know, where you kind of see the the cops showing up and, you know, and them trying to like get a whole cover up going on. It kind of makes sense, you know, this kind of, cause they don't spend too much time on it, but they just a couple references here, there, the fact that between Hopper and a few key people, they've concocted this fishy cover story that, yeah, like you said, like people like Murray are starting to try to pick apart. So. Right. Right. So what'd you guys think of the, uh, the very, uh, top gunny, um, <laughs> basketball court scene? Uh, it had no playing with the boys as the soundtrack, so it loses. That is true. That. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and no Rick Rossovich, so, again, loses points. Um, Rick. You know, it, it's, 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 it's all setting up, it's all setting up, uh, Billy is, you know, the, the foil of, for, you know, for Steve, and it, it, yeah. if he wasn't as much of a of a DB as he is, then you know he'd be less fun to hate. <laughs> so you just gotta just gotta throw that in there, you know. Well, and he, um, I, it's funny all the times like Steve actually takes it with a lot of grace. Like, I mean, I don't think he likes getting crap from from Billy this whole season, and obviously it comes to a head at the end. But yeah, you know, he also isn't just like. He's just kind of like letting it roll off his back right now. I think the, uh, the but that's because he's got the he's got more in his Jonathan mind right now. Gave him kind of put him in his place at the end of the first season. I think he knows what battles to pick and which ones not to. Right. Yeah. 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 Billy, and it's interesting to watch Steve get like essentially full on bullied by this yeah. guy. Oh yeah, yeah he is being bullied by this guy. Because Steve was a bit, you know, he was a bit of a bully in the first one, um, but Billy's like taking it to the next level. Like, oh yeah. So Steve, Steve was a a turd in the first season. Billy's dangerous. Right. There's a big difference. Yeah. Between yeah. being just a, a being a jerk and being dangerous. So. Right. Well, it's funny, you know, you bring up <laughs> it because because Billy reminds me a lot of of the bully in in that one. 
another Stephen King stories, you know, the one, the oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Bully. You know what I mean? I forget like, his well, name, but yes. 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 Powers. Yes. Yeah. yeah you definitely you know that just like, you know, I bully people because I'm basically crazy. You know, I'm not right in the right. head. You know, right. I'm not just in, I'm not insecure. So I pick on other people to keep them down. Like Steve was doing like the, you know, like I pick on people cause I'm, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, <laughs> you know. Dude, so. Chris, you saying you saying that he's dangerous just makes me think of Val Kilmer going like, like "You're dangerous," you. and clacking his teeth. Oh yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Top Gun. So good. I'm, I'm counting down the days till that sequel comes out. I need it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, like top, I like Top Gun in spite of all the stuff that is not um, right. The military porn. So, right. Seriously. Right. That's why I watch it. I watch it for the Kenny Loggins. Oh my gosh. It is the Loggins. It is the ultimate Loggins, man. It's, it's pretty amazing. And it's and and the Faltermeyer score. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I learned how to play that crap on the piano. That's how much that's I love crap. Stuff. That's good stuff, man. Okay. Well, I know. I'm not saying crap. But like, I learned how to play that stuff. I was trying not to swear. That's what it was on the piano. So <laughs> rock that crap. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. Anyways, yeah, good stuff. So nice. So uh, Steve and Nancy are done. I mean, yeah, you get that yeah. here pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I I kind of. I mean, obviously, there's. Uh, it's. I don't know. It's weird to me that they ended last season, and obviously, they maybe didn't know what they wanted to do with them. They end that season like she's with Steve. Yeah. And you get an idea that they still there's still something there because she gives them the present and it's like, you know, there's something still going on there. It's but, like, but it's like they were just messing with everyone last season, just to almost immediately in this season end it with yeah. Steve. I'm like they could have they could have started the season with it already over with Steve. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's at that age. I mean, it, the, the end of the season takes is only like a month after everything that happened, yeah. you know, it, it right. Is, it's, it's Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. And the weight of all of that whole year hasn't hit them yet. You know, right. so it's, you, you, right. you go back into that comfortable spot until yeah. you realize you're another well, year older and you just, things yeah. aren't working out the way you thought they were. And right. keep that, keep that date in, in the back of your mind. Because it, it's going to come up again in a few episodes. Oh yeah, no, it is. I mean, I'm, yeah. they go into it for sure, right? And that's right. good. That makes it that makes it a little more worthwhile, I guess. I think everyone watching season one assumed, or at least thought it might be likely that Jonathan and Nancy would end up together at the end of season one, and they don't. And I thought at the time mm-hmm. that was kind of a cool like subversion of what you expected. Then yeah. they just go pivot right to it at the beginning of this season. I just thought it was interesting, but. Yeah. It's good. Well, it ends up being good for both characters, though. Yeah. I know. And it's kind of cool that, like, you know, they've talked openly about how their plans for Steve changed based on the performance of the actor. And, you know, and, and so it's cool that even though they have their overall story that they've talked about, they've got the big picture kind of mapped out, that they're still, you know, following the characters, um, letting the characters lead them in their writing as the story progresses. Because I, I feel personally, having read a lot about writing uh, from different authors and reading a lot myself, like that tends to be the best writing when um, 
the story gets driven by the characters more than just arbitrarily by the plot. Um, from what I can tell, again, as I'm armchair writing over here, <laughs> it seems like from what I've heard from a lot of the authors that I really like and, and when they talk about their process, that often that's where they find their stories going is where the characters lead them yeah. rather than trying to force their characters into a predetermined path. Right. So sometimes it, it makes the story not go in directions that it, it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. <clears throat> Last Jedi. But, Let's say, uh, okay, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but it ends up being interesting and it, you know, not what you expect. And, um, I think you get a better story in the long run. So, yeah. but yeah. And again, here we are, you know, third episode in and they've already like broken up. So, you know, um, velocity, not dragging things out. And, you know, yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not going to get the resolution to the Mike and L storyline, so you know, you, you right. take the comfort in the other characters. You, you, you that storyline, you move that along faster because you get away from the other one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Hey, you know, and if Steve can't get some, Bob's going to do it. Come on, Bob. He's going <laughs> to say, you know, we're, we're kind of back to the part where Bob eats lunch with Joyce and is, you know telling her how lucky he feels to be dating her, the the pretty girl from high school. So just as a encouragement to all you guys out there, just to follow right. your dreams. You can be like Bob. Right. Well, and it's funny, like, I, I, the more I rewatch this and think about it, like, it's amazing what Sean Astin did this season, you know, because a lot of times when you add the new character, it takes a while for them to kind of get into the groove and kind of mm-hmm. feel like they belong. And I feel like, the Bob and Joyce thing works like from the get go, you know, their relationship and, and everything about his character. He just like, it's some dang good writing and some dang good acting, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you still get the idea that she's, she's still out of his league in some ways, right. but that, but that she like genuinely likes him, you know? She, well, she does yeah. because he's a nice yeah. guy. He's not, he's not Lonnie, you know, right. the exact opposite of that. He, he's, He's not going to hit her. He's not going to yell at her. He's not going to use her kids as, you know, emotional bait. He's right. he's there because he wants to be there. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, finally, we do, and I know we talked about this on previous episodes, we get more insight in this episode as to what Hop has been doing for the lab. Um, and I think... You know, it's having like a long-term negative effect on him. I mean, he, you know, he kind of had mentioned to Joyce that they all were feeling it one year in, the weight of everything they've experienced. And not only that he experienced with the kids this time last year, but also that since then he's had to cover it up. Yeah, that's, that's a tall order, uh, especially when he's doing his best to uphold the end of the bargain and... He feels like his concerns are falling on deaf ears up to this point. And maybe things haven't been as bad as they're escalating now. We don't really know. Uh, yeah. But at a certain point, when you're the only one doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're going you're gonna to hit that wall. And it's that wall is what his arc is kind of for this season. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and not only that, I mean, 
I don't know if there's been any supernatural stuff between the end of the first season and the beginning of this new one, but he's had to do all the Barb cover-up and the cover-up for Will's return and all that, that especially with Barb, I'm sure the, you know, emotional weight and guilt of trying to cover that up, knowing her parents don't know, like, similar to Nancy, has got to be, you know, eating him up to a degree. Yeah, uh, that's... I mean, the stuff with Will, yeah, I mean, that's a little more easy to hand wave away. Like, oh, it was some other kid, or Will's clearly alive, so, I mean, you Mm -hmm, have to just mm -hmm. say something. But Bob's gone. I mean, he has to lie about the death of a child. Yes. Especially knowing how his own daughter died. It's like, that can't be an easy pill. Resting easy. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so it's made it's made explicit here that he, basically that's his job is to keep things quiet. If they keep whatever they're doing in the lab, you know, out of <clears throat> out of Hawkins, and that's where Dr. Owens, you know, specifically says they regularly, weekly burn back, which we saw them do, I believe, already. But they burn back the growth from the rift, the gate. So he's very skeptical that what's going on is related to the lab at all. Yeah. And their dynamic is interesting. It did not go the way I thought it would in terms of like when I came into the season thinking, and maybe that's just me putting too much aliens, Paul Reiser into it. That's the intent. Um, uh, I right. think they and, set well, you up to feel that way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah they but, set you up to assume that he's got some either evil alternate, uh, like ulterior motive. Yeah. Or that he's going to be Hop's adversary or something. Well, just like when, when Hop goes in there and tells him, like, you know, like, you're going to go do this and this and this, and, you know, and, and he says, like, you don't give me orders. You know, that was really interesting, you know, because yeah. up to that point, he's been really amicable and really, like, trying to, like, be helpful and, like, you know, almost a kiss-ass in the first parts, you know, you see him with. And then all of a sudden he's just like, nope, screw you. I don't do what you tell me to do, you know, which I thought was, oh, okay. You know, not as menacing as Brenner, but certainly, you know, he wasn't backing down, which I thought was interesting, even though he ultimately went ahead and did it. But it just was, and it was just an interesting, a different dynamic than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nancy, you know, we talked a lot about her in the first two episodes about her grief regarding Barb and, I think Steve's inability to feel the same exact way she was feeling about it was probably part of what drives them apart. But she's hatches a plot here with Jonathan to basically, you know, take a, a modicum of control back in how, how they feel about what's going on there. And we only really see like the very, very beginnings of it here. And we'll get more into it in the next couple episodes, but Nancy's striking back. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh see how that goes <laughs> yeah i mean even when even when they start talking about it in this episode i think at least my first reaction was oh this is not going to end well you know yeah but we'll see yeah absolutely well we get a flashback with l also as well in this episode that he's reading to her a particular passage out of anne of green gables and it's really sad you know it's, it's a very sad it's a very sad, you know, section from the story where, you know, Anne's talking about her mother and father dying and all this. And, you know, 
for their particular situation. It's the same book we see him read to his daughter in the end of season one. Uh, And, um, you know, it leads to what's going to be a major break in their relationship is when she asks him if she had a mother, you know. Yeah. And at first she takes it with like, well, of course you had a mother. Everyone has a mother. You know, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a mother. But she means like, is my mother alive? Is she out there somewhere? Is she, can I find her? You know, and that's when he tells her no. But we know that obviously that's a lie. He met her mother in the first season. He just says she's gone. So yeah. he's very careful to parse what he says to her. He's He doesn't really he, lie. That's true. Well, when she says, is she gone, I think she means... I thought it was something like Elle says, you know, she's gone. And he... I, she's taking it that he means she's dead. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. from what we know of her, she's she's there, but she's not there. She yeah. is, that's right. She's like, not around anymore. Very easily say, is like, um, well, she's, she's basically yeah. a vegetable. I mean. Yeah, but how do you explain that to a child that only has, you know, a year's worth of awareness of the real world? You know? Right. No, and I'm not saying that, you know, in a similar situation, I wouldn't say the same thing. It just is like, this is gonna, unfortunately, it's gonna come back and bite hop in the rear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a little bit of, like, he's just trying to, like, nip her wanting to get out of that house in the bud before she even thinks about it, you know. But, yeah, it definitely will come back and bite him in the bud, for sure. Yeah. So, So, you know, we've gotten the sense that Bob, being the Radio Shack guy, is, like, Mr. 80s tech gadget guy, and... uh, you know, he helps Joyce over the phone play back the video from the night before because she wants to know who's bullying Will. And, and this is when Joyce kind of gets her, it's kind of similar to her, you know, some of her more crazy scenes from the first season where basically she realizes, yeah. she realizes in the video she can see some of what Will is seeing when he has his visions and she puts two and two together that the thing she sketches out from the video is the same thing that he's been drawing that he lied to her and says for like their next D&D campaign or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, that part I was like, well, that's fine. I mean, she's, she, it, it helps us help her figure out what's going on. But I thought it was just, it was just okay in how she figured it out, you know, that it would just happen to be like sketched out on the sky there where she could. Yeah. Copy it over. Yeah, but by this point, they've made a a point on the show, you know, where the extra normal powers and things going on are definitely, they interfere with, you know, radio and... uh, That's true, electronics, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right, that's a good point. That's a fair point, yeah, because, yeah, definitely on radio, for sure. And then we see Elle's expanded that even to television. She uses a TV to kind of tune into Mike or whoever she's trying to find. Yeah. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love it because it just reminds me of so many, like, and I wish I come up with a better, like, a, a, an exact reference, but it just has that feeling of, like, you know, 80s horror, that idea of, like, you know, oh, Poltergeist, there you go. Yeah, you know, like, they coming through the TV and finding hints of it and, you know, and, and watching the tape back and, you know, Blair Witch Project type, you know, just kind of 
just creepy, like, you know, because usually the, t- the, t- the TV is our safe place. We turn it on and we watch fun things like the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, and then right. and then there's a monster in it, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> you know, and so, I don't know, I love that moment where she kind of sees the, the monster in there, you know, it's just kind of... So we, can we say that Will is the progenitor of the found footage horror movie then? <laughs> in a right. way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of funny because I remember, you remember trying to like pause a movie at just the right spot, you know? And, you, and even yeah. when you got the later VCRs where you could actually move it like forward. Like dial it in. Yeah. yeah. Like frame a second or two, you know? Yes. Yeah, and trying to like, you know. I a mean, step geez. function. That's yes, the step yeah. function. Oh my gosh, I wore it out on like Phantom Menace because they did before they put it out on DVD. Like you know, just like trying to watch Darth Maul fights. And... I might have worn it out on Porky's Revenge, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to cop to that kind of stuff on the podcast, but thank you, Hero, for stepping in for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love that sequence where she kind of you know she sees it like matching up to the pictures, and that's good stuff, man. I love it. I love that kind of like mystery solving type type uh, um, narrative, you know. So, <clears throat> well, I think the um, I, I like the whole sequence after school is over at the high school where, you know, the the kids are debating the the company I should say is debating as to the party mm-hmm. is debating as to what they should do next, you know. Yeah. Um. And then the hijinks that ensue when Dart <laughs> mutates in front of them. Yeah, it goes full Gremlins, yeah. It does. Yeah. It yeah. does. Gremlins, or you know what it kind of reminded me of, too, is when um, John Hurt dies in Aliens, and the, the, or Alien, the yes. way they're all, like, shocked. They're stunned into inaction, and it mm-hmm. scrambles away. That's That's what it reminded me of. But, yeah, it does remind me of Gremlins as well, just because... Um, you know, it's like just kind of a slapstick chase through the halls, trying to yeah. to find where where he's at. But the the uh, music when when Max opens the door, it's it's got a little bit of that. Ding, 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 ding. Go back and listen to it. Oh, it's, awesome! It's I will. It's definitely yeah. in there. They they aped that that sound a little bit. And the oh, that's thing, awesome. The other thing I picked up on, L has three rules, right? Just like oh yeah, she was wow. a mogwai. Nice, you got it. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, she, she's she's just like Gizmo. Don't feed her after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of music, uh, can can we at least take a moment to acknowledge the awesomeness of of Hopper's uh, dance sequence? Today? Oh yeah, oh, awesome eighties montage. It has become, it's it's has become a meme. It has meme. definitely dancing yeah. Hopper has yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, it's a it's a great '80s montage of them cleaning the uh, cleaning up the cabin. <laughs> yeah, music is so good in this show. Um, and you've heard me ramble about Star Wars for more than five minutes. You know I love that. So uh, gotta have good music. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was really all the notes I had uh, on this episode. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to throw in on there? It was definitely, definitely a good episode, ramping things up. I don't feel like I've had, like we've had like a bad episode. I mean, no, definitely not in this season so far. And I can't think of any from the first season I thought were wouldn't be considered like good if not great. 
Yeah, I haven't yeah. found any that I'll be skipping if I'm doing a rewatch. So no, of course right. not. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, just just one of the one of the the funnier bits is when Dustin is talking about if he's discovered a new species, he wants to call it what is it, Dustonius polywacus. It's like yes, it's so yes. yeah. <laughs> well, and he's he's convinced that Mr. Clark is gonna like. Bogard his discovery. Yeah, <laughs> he's so concerned about it. Oh, I know, I love yeah. it. <laughs> no, let me before I show you this, we must be clear that this is my discovery. Dustin is, yeah, he continues. He's great in this season. He really, he really, he really is getting a lot to do in this season. Like, like when he comes in late to class. And then he yeah. tries to whisper to Max, and the teacher kind of snaps at him. And he's like, yes, my lord? Like, <laughs> he calls Mr. Clark, my lord. Just, yeah. Oh, my heck. Oh, if I had been half as smooth as Dustin back at that age, oh, my god. Oh, we haven't even touched the surface of where Dustin's going to go this season in terms of his... <laughs> one, thing terms actually, of his I, one thing I do actually find refreshing is that the kids in this are not smartasses to their teachers, like, no. I, I kind of like, because remember every 80s kid movie you watch, the, the teachers mm-hmm. are jokes, but they do not right. treat Mr. Clark like a joke. No, no. He's not, like, just a cartoon cardboard stand-up of a teacher. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, yeah, I mean, he's he's their friend. He's a AV club guy. He, I think... Something is said. Is it in this season or or I don't know? Something he he references to them almost sounds like he's down with D and D as well. That was you know the first what I mean? Season. Like they he okay. references the Veil of Shadows when they're ah uh, yes, that's yeah. it, that's it. Yeah. Like, oh no, they say yeah, the Veil of Shadows, and then he describes exactly what it what that right. Is. He he's he's on their wavelength. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, these are those kids that you know they're smart and they like their teacher, and they well most you know, I mean. I was in a lot of pre-AP and AP classes in high school, and most of the kids in those classes like the teachers because they're, you know, actually interested in being at school and learning and all that. Right, you know? right. Yeah, and it's refreshing to kind of get those kind of kids and um, and that they're not overly nerd. I mean, they're, they're nerdy and geeky, but they're not like dweebs. You know what I mean? They're not like, right. you know, barely functioning, socially functioning goofballs. They're like... Yeah. It would have been real easy to have these kids, though, be more in the mold of, uh, you know, any other 80s movie where the kids... Oh, yeah, Ferris Bueller or any other John Hughes movie or whatever else. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's another reason I like the show overall is that it doesn't have that, like, overly sarcastic snark tone that a lot of stuff's rolling with these days. It's still real earnest, and it's... um, wonder and and you know we're on an adventure woohoo you know that kind of stuff yeah i feel like that's the spielberg spielbergian tint to it right sure. right yeah yeah, I, yeah for sure that's yeah. why i love it so much so cool well i appreciate you guys time um there's nothing else. I just say, yeah, please do uh, find us on Facebook. We're adding people all the time. I think there's a couple pending requests to join right now. Awesome. So we're adding people to the Facebook group all the time. That's always great. And please email us. Please write a review on iTunes. And we will be back very soon with a new uh, episode. Oh, yeah. 
And this will probably uh, this will probably be our last one before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you all as well. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas and uh, have a good Happy New Year. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, thanks for your time, and we'll we'll be back soon. Thanks. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. You can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.